uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles uh, down the side here. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 19. But do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And God will add his blessing to this reading. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for the privilege to hear through the songs that you've already been speaking to us, uh, through communion, even hearing of your heart for mission, uh, through chaplaincy. And now we uh, even continue our time of worship to hear through uh, what you're saying to us through your word. Drown out the noise that it's going on in our hearts. Speak to us not just individually but corporately as a church. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you saw this during the week. There was a, um, an article, there was an incident that happened in Singapore where a pastor uh, was jailed for eight plus years and also some of his staff members. They were ja- jailed because they were embezzling money. And one of the ways he was embezzling money was he was helping pay for his wife's pop career in Singapore. And on that note, it made me think of an idea. Christmas is coming up. So we might start a fundraiser for a Christmas album led by the pastors. I thought I'd put this photo up here. This is the photo of us in the band photo. We've named the band the Nutella Sandwich Band. Let that sink in. There we go. All right, thank you. Uh, that's probably the only thing you'll remember from my sermon, I'm guessing. Um, friends, um, when we think about um, money, particularly in the context of today, uh, there, I've got to be honest with you, before I became a pastor, whenever the pastor got up the front and started talking about money, there's something that stirs in me. There's a bit of a cynicism that goes in there going, oh, here we go, this is the money talk. This is the fundraising talk. Maybe you even grew up in a church where it felt that every sermon was about money at some point. And they would do the offering about 30 or 40 times. You maybe even grew up in a, a church culture where, where you might even think, this is a bit odd. Here we go. Here's another Christian talking about money on a Sunday. Why are we even talking about this? Aren't we here to worship the Lord? Some of us might be even a, a stage of life where the thought of money is not even close to us. We think about money in that we go, well, I'm living at home. My parents are paying for everything. I don't need to worry about it until I graduate or figure out what kind of job I'm going to have. And even in our church context, we have many of us who are in ministry and money is something that's quite 
relevant. But wherever you sit on this sort of fence, at the end of the day, money is part of your daily life, isn't it? You can't get away with it. That's the reality. But how we view money will affect how we save, how we spend, how we invest, and maybe even how we throw it away. Uh, This morning, my hope is to do this, to answer these questions. The first question, what is the point of money? The second question, what is the purpose of money? And finally, how do we live with it? How do we live with money? So, first up, what is the point of money? Uh, In the passage that we just heard from, that Nathan read to us, it's part of a a series of little mini sermonettes that Jesus preaches known as the Sermon of the Mount. It is part of a big picture sermon. It's probably one of the most famous sermons that Jesus preached while he was here physically on this earth. And just before this, he's been talking about prayer and what is the importance of prayer. He's been talking and ultimately about fasting. He's talking about religious sort of practices, but he's saying, listen, your audience is always an audience of one, and that is God. And as he's making these statements, he's actually making quite radical, most, most out-of-this-world kind of statements, because always what he's doing is probing deeper he's getting to the heart of the matter in the verses 19 to 24 it says do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break up in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal What Jesus is wanting to do in these first few verses, make it very clear. He's trying to get the people that he's preaching to. And even today, this morning, he's saying, listen, you need to turn your gaze away from what's in front of you that is temporal and turn your gaze to things that are of eternal things. Because there's a reason why this is all changed around. See, from... (laughs) creation from the world that god created things have sort of changed something's shifted what's shifted is that our gaze all of us has ultimately turned inwards to ourselves if you think about it the mirror it's an amazing invention some of us may have not looked at it this morning but it is an invention that is of great value but it causes us to gaze ultimately at ourselves And often our focus can always be caught up on the things of now, right in front of us. And the reality is that that happens based on your stage of life. That's the reality. You talk to a young person, they're thinking about what career they're going to have, uh, who they're going to marry, the job, all these kind of things. If you talk to someone on the other end of the scale, a bit older, they have conversations and thinking about internal things. But the, uh, the idea of getting caught up in what is temporal, I think it ultimately is because we see it and we have great value of it. But we know that it doesn't have great value, doesn't it? If you think about it, if you ever bought a brand new car and you get into that car for the very first time, the nice clean seats, the smell of a new car, you drive it out of the yard, but now a few months later, You're so protective of this car at the start that you would even park far away from anyone else because you don't want the door scratched or a runaway trolley to hit it. But now, after a few months later on, what happens? You park wherever you want. 
you slam the card really hard before you're telling the kids not to do that. Don't touch this. What are you doing with the food on the floor? We've got to pick that up. But now there's things growing on in the carpet that looks like food, but, but you're not really sure. But at the end of the day, you move on to the next thing. It's temporal. You've moved on. I've moved on. And friends, we grew up in a church, uh, in another church, we grew up in a world that is constantly preaching sermons to us through the songs, through the music, through uh, movies, all around us that ultimately is making your eyes focus away from eternal things. Now, but notice what Jesus says. He's not saying to people, now stop buying stuff. And what I want you to do is uh, gather everything you've got, sell everything, now head to the hills and buy a little hut and sing Kumbaya till I return. He's not talking about that. What he's trying to do is dissect their hearts. He's trying to get people to reflect and look in their own hearts. He's asking the question, what do you treasure the most? Ultimately, what he's trying to get at is, what do you treasure the most? And where that treasure is, what you treasure most, that's where your gaze will be fixed on. Remember how I I was talking about how our our gaze is turned away. See, when God created the world, it was perfect. It was wonderful. It was glorious. And our gaze as human beings were focused on God. And then God uh, caused us to to worship Him, be in relationship with Him. And in light of that, we were to look after the world that God has placed us in, to be caretakers. But not only that, we were to be totally focused on God, the Creator. We had everything we wanted in Him, in relationship with Him. But temptation comes in. Satan brings temptation. And then, even in those verses in Genesis, you see what the, 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 the girl who was tempted, Eve, it says that she saw this fruit and was appealing to the eye. The focus changed. And ultimately, what that focus is ultimately saying, it's mine. And since then, it's like a cancer it's like this poison that's invaded every soul and every heart and to this day that's even happening now so the question is jesus is saying ultimately what he's trying to get at is what is it that you treasure the most this idea of a treasure is it's like a storehouse it's something that you put things in that you are most you find the most valuable i don't know if you see these um this in the houses of today, but I know coming to Australia, I found it very interesting going to particularly Aussie homes, there was always the cabinet. There was the cabinet that had the treasured things. Grandma, uh, china, uh, spoons that you'd collected over the years on all your travels. It was the little treasured spot for treasured stuff. But what Jesus is not talking about is not just physical things, the storing up. What he's saying is it's a spiritual thing. What are you storing up in your heart? What are you treasuring more? And then Jesus makes a statement in verse 21 that it's like pulling a mirror up in front of you and getting you to check your heart. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this morning I want to ask, where, when it comes to money, where does your heart fit? When it comes to money, where does your heart sit? Do you, set, do you treasure it in such a way that ultimately you, you don't really care about it? It's temporal. But you also don't see it as a gift from God. Do you see money as a gift? 
Have you ever wondered what the point of money is? Friends, the whole point of money, in a very simple and physical way, is to show that God is the one who provides everything for us. And we are actually not called to hold on to it, but to look at it through an eternal gaze. And to use it for His glory. That's the whole point of money. And the temptation is for all of us, we will treasure it more than Jesus. And what happens with money is that if we treasure it far more than Jesus, we'll end up either wasting it, because we don't care, we're not wise with it, we're not good stewards of it, or we might go the other extreme and become hoarders. We want to accumulate as much as we can. And sometimes money might even become something that we find great joy in. When the bank account balance is really good, we're really happy. The bank account's balance is really bad. We're really depressed. And ultimately, we become a slave to it. And when that money becomes a treasure, we also find security in it. And even in this context that Jesus is talking about money or mammon, he's actually not even talking about the physical coins they would have used in those days. It's actually possessions, physical possessions. The question this morning is, are you treasuring money more than Jesus? And then as we continue the verse in verse 22, it's almost like Jesus makes this random statement about eyes. And he says, the eye is the lamb of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is making a very poignant statement. It's almost, it's like he's repeating what he's already said. What he's trying to get at is to say that what you focus your eyes on, what your eyes are set on, ultimately will be based on how you view something. See, with our eyes, we can see both good and bad. And so when we look at money, we can see it as a bad thing or a good thing. And it's the same idea with finances. It can be used in a good way or it can be used in a really bad way. So what Jesus is trying to get at is how you view it. It depends on how you look at it. See, if we see something seen as mine and not as a gift from God, we will struggle to see how we can steward it for his glory. But if we see it as a gift, then how we steward it will be very different. In the 2014 Australian Stock Exchange report that came out, I didn't read the whole thing, just a summary of it, it talked about in 2012 how much Australian houses spent, the expenses. So apparently Australian households will have spent, had spent $642 billion on general living. Now, what is coined as general living? Well, here are some of the interesting facts that I learned. One, $14.1 billion a year on alcohol versus $1.1 billion a year on tea and coffee. I'm sure I contributed to some of it. Not the alcohol, the, the coffee. <laughs> the coffee, just to clarify. What about other things? $8.0 billion on a, a year on beauty versus $2.0 billion years on brains. That explains a lot. 
This is very true to Aussies, I think. 19.0 billion a year on recreational activities versus 8.3 billion on medical uh, needs. And finally, this is the one that I found quite astounding. 10.5 billion a year on personal care, which makes sense, you know, you you got to look after yourself, but 0.78 billion a year on pet pampering. It's not vets. We're talking about pet pampering. One of the many reasons I'm telling my kids we're never ever getting pets. Let's take them to the pet store. It's clean. Look at them, touch the glass, walk away. We've got a prayer ministry if you're offended by that and you own pets later. Now, when it comes to giving, what are we like as Aussies? Well, according to the Morgan Poll in 2014, uh, overall in 2010, uh, 71% was donated to charity, the national average. And in 2014, 65%. As Victorians, what are we like? Well, 73%. Uh, was given to charity in comparison to the others. We were leading. That's good. And 67% in 2014, we dropped. We've got to pick up our game, Vix. But what I found interesting as I looked at the data was this, that ultimately all of it was always just focused on us. It wasn't really a kind of the giving that Jesus is talking about, this kind of view that Jesus is talking about here. Because all that it was, was driven out of ours. Many years ago, I saw this sort of trend coming in. So I grew up in a corporate world and um, particularly with marketing and so on. And so when we try to get big clients to spend a lot of money, we'd throw a fundraiser on. And the fundraiser was really spoil them. So in the hope that they will hand over their big checks to us. Now I've noticed something recently. This is coming in the Christian culture. Now, there's nothing wrong with fundraisers. We do fundraisers. We're going to be having a market night. It's a good thing. But there's a tendency, I wonder, where we sort of think that when we are raising funds, here is the string. I'm going to give you something, but I want something back in return. And in a simple way, we've even seen it every, sometimes on Sundays where I've done this myself. Sausage sizzles. They have raising funds for an outreach or something, and we go, okay, here's my money towards that particular event. Here's my coins. I want something back. I think there's this thinking going on in our hearts, whether we want to admit it or not. Now, I know there are many of us, when we go to a fundraiser, we give big because we want to generously be involved in what God's doing, and that's a great thing. But at the heart, there's something going on. It's almost like this. You have this money that you get. And God says, here you go. Open your hand. I want to give you something as a gift. We put that money and God gives that money to us. And what we do is this. And God's got his hand on that money saying, what are you doing? That's not yours. It's always been mine. Open your hand. Now let me lead you where to give. Let me lead you where you bless with it. Let me lead how you save. And maybe even sometimes I might actually take it away from you because it's always been his. I think sometimes what we do is we forget that this money belongs to God. And you see that. um, Recently I was talking to someone from our church who who works in the trade industry and he was talking about how he always constantly ran into Christian businessmen uh, who were 
meant to be working for, who are Christian, but to this day he says to me, I would never want to work with another Christian ever again. Because it's almost like uh, this tag of Christian who we are, 12 o'clock comes, we've had our tea and coffee, and we leave it here at the door. And we head off in our week and we forget that we're actually representing Jesus wherever he's placed us. And money becomes something that we uh, value far more. Friends, money is actually the whole purpose of money. It's to be used as a gift. It's not yours. It's not mine. It is a gift given by God for his glory. So in light of that, how do we live with it? So remember how I talked about creation, how God created and then sin comes in, corrupts everything. And Jesus is talking in these, words, in these verses that we saw and he's making it very clear. He's asking the question, what do you treasure more? How do you treasure it? Do you treasure Jesus ultimately? Do you treasure God? Do you treasure the things of his kingdom? And he says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Friends, the way we look at money is ultimately going to be a worship issue. The way we look at money is going to be ultimately how what we worship. What Jesus is saying in a very loving way to the people listening even today is that, listen, you were not designed to worship money. You were designed and formed to worship the creator of the universe. And either you will love one or hate the other. Ultimately, you will serve one more. You'll become a slave to it. And this is the reality that's happened. See, when sin comes in, when temptation comes in, it corrupts everything. But God, in His goodness, in His mercy, and this is the good news, sends Jesus Christ, His Son, who comes into this world, who's totally, 100%, utterly focused on the Father and the things of the Father. He's far more concerned about that. And He takes your place and my place on the cross. But it would be really sad if it all ended there. On the third day, He's raised again, physically. And then those who say they're followers of his, who believe in him, who put their faith in him, he says to them now, everything that you live for, everything that you do has been realigned. Because it's all been focused on Jesus. And everything changes. Because everything now is looking through the lens of the cross. That includes how we use money. Either we will worship it as a God or we will see it as a gift. So friends, what is the point of money? We need to see money as a gift given by God with eternity in mind. We need to see the money that God has given us as a gift with eternity in mind. What is the purpose of money that God has given you? Well, he wants you to use it for his glory. Use it for his glory in any way that he calls you to do that. And how do we call to live with it? We live with it with an open hand. As he leads you, directs you, who you give to, what you invest in, how you save. Because we're not called to worship this money as an idol. Our focus needs to be worshipping the live one true God. And see, if we have this view of money where we see it as a gift, guess what? 
It's limitless what God is calling you to do in some sense. You can actually be lavishly generous. You can be lavishly stewarding money for his kingdom glory. That means when you give on a Sunday when the offering bag goes, you don't need to do it out of guilt. You do it because God has been gracious to you. He's been loving to you and it's an act of worship. An American friend of mine who's a pastor in the States was telling me he went and preached at a church, a fairly more a Pentecostal church, and he was saying about how when the offering time came, the band would get up and they'd start playing a bit of a Jamaican rhythm, and all of a sudden there was a Congo line starting. But from the back all the way around the church towards right in the middle was the offering little table where everyone would put their little envelope. I don't see Canterbury doing that, but there was a joy in the way that they did it. So, to wrap up, some questions for you to consider. Number zero, the very first point. For you to see that money is a gift, remember the love of Jesus shown to you. Because of his grace, because of his mercy, now he calls you to see it as a gift. And in light of that, You don't need to waste it. You don't need to store it up. You don't need to find security in it. But do you in any way, at some point this morning, do you need to surrender it again to Jesus? Number two, or number one, are you finding security in your finances anyway? Find your security in Jesus. When your pay comes in, Do you talk about your finances with God at all? When you get your paycheck of the month, however it works out, do you go, thank you? And then you pray and think through, who do you need to give to? Who do you need to invest in? How do you save? What do you need to pay off? Thirdly, I know this is going to sound a bit silly, but do you have a budget? I grew up in a very generous family. Uh, in an Indian family, you pretty much live off your parents for a long time, particularly if you're the male of the home. Uh, you can get whatever you want. And then when I hit 17, 18, I had no clue. I moved out of home and I had no idea. Because ultimately, money was God, not Jesus. So once someone asked me, do you have a budget? I know it sounds silly, but do you have a budget? And the idea of a budget is not that the budget lords over you, but you are the master of the budget under Jesus. Jesus is the master of that budget. So have you worked out what you need to save, what you need to spend, how much you're going to give away, all those things? Fourthly, are you a Scrooge? When it comes to money, you just struggle. You just, you just all I think about is saving and keeping it. There's a bit of a Scroogeness in you. Can I encourage you? Look at the way that God has been gracious to you. And in light of that, give back what is already his. Fourthly, can I encourage you, there are people that, you, you might not be just very good at this, but there are people in our church family, in your small group, who might be very gifted at it, catch up with them, talk to them, particularly if you're a young person, catch up with someone who's a bit older, who's ahead of you, and talk about saving, giving, spending for the glory of God. Um, this is just a note to parents, this is a sim- simple thing. Parents, can I encourage you, don't wait for your kids to finally get to a certain age to really talk about money, talk to them now, wish that was something that um, I grew up with. And my parents did their best, but I would encourage that, particularly young men, listen up. You are living in a world that is constantly telling you, preaching to you, that you can live for yourself. 
Live for that fun, that great excitement moment. Enjoy life, yeah, but remember, this is a gift from God. So learn now how to be wise with what God has given you. I'm going to skip that in a minute. I'm just going to um, make one last comment. Is that we live in a world where we need Christian men and women who will use money for God's glory. So in light of that, if you see that as a gift, invest, save, be entrepreneurial for the glory of God. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor in Sydney. uh, And he was talking about how he's just off the charts entrepreneurial. He's constantly just both planting a church and um, creating these little businesses for the glory of God. And he's created this space uh, in Sydney. It's right in the hub of the Sydney CBD uh, where he's inviting people who are starting businesses to come, where they can come and talk and listen and work out what does it mean to build a business for the glory of God. And it's been fascinating listening and talking to him how he's had so many conversations and how seeing God is using these. Now they're funding both missions and church plants all over the world for God's glory. So be entrepreneurial for God's glory. And finally, friends, I don't know if you realize this. Did you know your view of money, whether if you see it as God or gift, will actually be a witness to your friends who don't know Jesus? See, if your friends are like, well... I give money to charity every year. I give to the Royal Children's Hospital Appeal. I give to World Vision. You do. What's the big difference? But if they see you also feeling stressed and anxious, as that happens in reality, but that your focus on money is more, are more important than your focus on God, there's no, different, there's no different about you than it is seen to them. What I mean by that is you're trying to get them to see, hey, why are you not as stressed? Why are you not um, wanting to get that promotion like everybody else to get more money? There needs to be a difference. So your way that you view money will actually be a witness to your friends who don't know Jesus. And lastly, again, two books I would recommend to you. There are plenty of books out there about money. These are two books that I've personally read that I've really enjoyed. One, Beyond Greed by Brian Rosner. He's an Australian author. He's a principal at Ridley Brian's done a great work in just sort of really unpacking, particularly from a Western context, and seeing, well, why do we value money and material things so much? But what is God's perspective on that? So really going deep through that. And this is a book that Beck and I did uh, once we got married because money was a conflict issue with us often. And so we read this together. And what it did was it really laid out plainly for us what it means to see money as a gift, not as God. They're going to be up here for you to grab. Friends, our our church, our leadership team prays that we will continue to be a church that grows in generosity, that we'll ultimately treasure the things of Jesus far more than the things of this world, that we use money for as a gift for God's glory. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and grace. I thank you that you came and displayed generosity beyond that we could even imagine through your life, death, and resurrection. In light of that, help us both individually but also corporately to use money not as a God but as a gift to save, to invest, to give for your glory. Help us to avoid things that will cause us to sin and to be wise. 
Empower us through your spirit to do that and pray that it will be a witness to those watching for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.